This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the dagger? The neutral zone. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. So, last week I was whining about my tetanus shot. And this week I have a weird question off the top of the program. You are indeed tuned into the neutral zone. Don't need to flip your dial. I just got started in a very weird way. And I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. And I am alongside Cam Jenkins. Cameron, how are you? I'm uh, doing okay, Brock. Uh, looking forward to a bit of sports talk today. Uh, it's always nice talking uh, sports talk with the uh, men and women of the neutral zone. I couldn't agree with you more. And also joining us is Josh Watson. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well, Brock. I had a nice weekend of sports watching. Looking forward to uh, discussing it all with everybody here. So it's going to be a fun afternoon. Yes, I agree with that as well. So... I told you I had a weird question, and the story goes like this. I was at Yorkdale Mall over the weekend, and first, before I tell you the story, I'm going to shout out Jeff Ryman and Aaron Ryman, who got married uh, this past Friday, and so congratulations to them for that, and it was a pleasure being a part of their wedding and watching them uh, do their vows, and Megan and I were feeling very, uh, you know, not so... We were kind of feeling a little nostalgic because it just happened to us that we got married. So kind of cool to be a part of someone else's story as well. But on Saturday, I was uh, walking Yorkdale Mall and I went into the showcase. And in the showcase, they had a bag of something which I didn't know what it was. And I turned to my wife and I said, hey, what is that? And she said, it's a bag with a pickle in it. And I puzzledly looked at her and was like "Uh, okay and I said is it dill is it sweet what is it she said well this particular one is sweet but there's dill in it she said do you want one and I was like no I don't so taking a little bit of a poll would you eat a pickle in a bag yes or no Josh start with you well there's a slightly disturbing lack of context here as to was this in a refrigerator or not so i'm gonna go with no so no on the refrigerator it was literally just on the shelf in a in a plastic sealed container then it said like pickle in a bag that's literally what it was called and it had different flavors and she asked me i like i love dill pickle and all kinds of pickle but she asked me and she's like would you try it no i wouldn't so i'm right there with you cameron having a little more context would you eat this yes or no absolutely not i am not a dill pickle fan whatsoever i like i think they're called yum yums and that's about it so that's a definite no on the uh pickle in a bag like who puts a pickle in a bag put it in a jar that's what i said put it in a jar for gosh that is just a weird concept That's exactly what I said. It's just like, I don't know. It's a unanimous no thank you to the pickle in the bag. Let's move on to our headlines for this week. Neutral Zone Headlines. Headlines. Golden State Warriors star Steph Curry took to the microphone in the middle of Golden State's championship ring ceremony to make an impassioned plea in support of Brittany Grinner as the WNBA star spent her 32nd birthday in a Russian prison. When Steph took the mic, he made the following statement. We want to continue to use our platform and the opportunity to shout out a very special member of the basketball community. Brittany Grinier's birthday is today. She's 32. Curry told the crowd on opening night before the defending champions hosted LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. We want to continue to let her name be known and we pray. It's been 243 days since she was wrongly incarcerated in Russia. We hope that she comes home soon and that everybody's doing their part to get her home. 
Now, in case you need a refresher, Brittany was convicted August 4th after Russian police said they found vape canisters with cannabis oil in her luggage at Sheremetyevo Airport in Moscow. Her defense lawyers said she had been prescribed cannabis for pain. The WNBA star said she had inadvertently packed them and had no criminal intent. This year marks the 27th season that Greg Popovich has been the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Because of that, we thought we would share some interesting stats regarding this. In that same time span, the league as a whole has gone through 294 head coaches, which is approximately three coaches per team during that 27-year span. I think there's certain coaches that when you hear their name, you hear uh, stature behind that. You know that Greg Popovich has been around the game for a long time, and it is very nice to see that there is longevity in coaches and that the players don't always get the say in firing their coach. More history was made in sports this week, but if you're a Cleveland Guardians fan, it might not be so good. They were recently eliminated by the New York Yankees, and the Guardians have now lost 11 straight elimination games and have gone without a championship for 74 seasons. This is now a record for the longest drought in North American sports. Not certainly longer than the uh, Leafs. Well, yes, that is true. Very true. Uh, I, I feel bad for Cleveland sports fans. They... They just seem to get the wrong end of a lot of these things. Cleveland looked like they had a great baseball team this season. Unfortunately, they just came up short. The Toronto Blue Jays manager, John Schneider, is no longer the interim manager of the team. That tag has been removed. He is now the manager and will be here for the next three seasons with a club option for the fourth one. It's nice to see that he's uh, going to be back I think that it's going to be uh, very fruitful uh, for him to be over uh, the next three years. I think he's got a great rapport with all of the uh, managers. Um, The only thing that kind of where I think a lot of people were concerned about is, you know, when they did lose uh, in the playoffs this past uh, year or a few weeks ago, um, they were kind of concerned about bit about his uh, decisions that he made so um, I guess we'll go find out over the next two to three years whether or not uh, he was a good choice or if they maybe should have gotten a more experienced manager when you have an over 600 uh, winning percentage over your half a season I'm pretty sure that warrants at least a shot I agree with you Cameron I'm not necessarily sure that uh, you know all fans were totally on board with this but It seems the vast majority of them were. Let's uh, check in on our Twitter poll questions. Let's look at last week's, which the question was, which Canadian team has the best chance to win the Stanley Cup? 33% of you said Calgary. 29% of you said Edmonton. 24% of you said Toronto. And 14% of you said other. This week's question is, with the NBA season off and running, how do you believe the Toronto Raptors will do this coming year? Make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, win at least one round, or win the championship? Your, uh, you can cast your votes at our Twitter handles coming at you right now. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter chat with Claire Buchanan for the Neutral Zone? Find her at NeutralZoneCB. And there's a swing and a chopper out to second base right at Claire. She picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this Oregon interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. Our guest today is Dean Brokop, the director of the Paralympic Foundation of Canada. And he joins us today to talk about a unique event called the Para Tough Cup. Dean, thank you so much for joining us today. It's nice to have you back. We had you on the audio 
program many moons ago, and it's nice to have you on our video podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to be here, and uh, great to see you. So uh, maybe we can start by, if you can give us a little bit of background on the Paralympic Foundation of Canada and what that is and what your role as director. Sure. So the Paralympic Foundation of Canada is the philanthropic arm of the Canadian Paralympic Committee. So essentially, we are, we are set up and, and our focus is on raising fu additional funds to support the Paralympic movement in Canada. We are, uh, we're a separate entity to the Canadian Paralympic Committee, but we are very tightly linked and, and work with CPC to um, raise funds to support their strategic objectives and, and high priority activities. As director, um, I essentially oversee the foundation and and all of our all of our activities and uh, and operations, which vary from uh, working with our donors, major donors, um, smaller donors, uh, running events, which which we're going to talk about in a second, and which we haven't been able to do for for a number of years. But it's uh, it's fantastic being able to do so again. Um, supporting other parties who who often run events on our behalf. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know what it's it's a rewarding job in being able to uh, uh, to support the Paralympic movement this way. Now, as we mentioned in the opener, we are here to talk a little bit about the Paratuff Cup. For those that might not be familiar, can you give us a little bit of a background on what exactly it is and uh, what we can look forward to? For sure. So the Paratuff Cup um, is a corporate challenge event, and, and we started it in 2017, really as a way to. Uh, well, we created it as a fundraising event, and and it turned into so much more than that because um, it's an event in which we we invite corporate teams to participate, so teams of six individuals to come out and play parasport. So at this point in time, many people have now seen parasport; they've had a chance to watch the Paralympic Games, but fewer have had a chance to try it. And when when trying parasport, it's it's one of the ways when you truly understand it. Um, you get to experience how great it is, how much fun it is, but also how hard it is. So, so we did that. We created this event where teams come out and participate. Um, and we've tried a variety of sports, but the core sports we do are wheelchair basketball, you know, sport everybody loves and knows, um, sitting volleyball. Um, and, and something in the last couple of years, or more recently, um, we've, uh, we've tried to do our event at venues that can host us on, on real ice to be able to do para ice hockey. As Canadians, most Canadians love hockey. And so the ability to bring that to the event um, really helped uh, take things up a notch. So as I understand, you just finished one of these events in uh, Vancouver, BC. Uh, can you maybe tell us how that one went? Yeah, it was fantastic. So um, just just on Friday, so just a couple days ago, we, we had our, our third event in Vancouver, for third ever Paratuff Cup in Vancouver, but our first Paratuff Cup in, in nearly three years. Um, so uh, it was fantastic. It was great to, to be back there. We host the event at, uh, at the Richmond Oval, which was obviously used for, for speed skating during the 2010 Games. It's transitioned into an amazing community facility that has basketball courts and volleyball courts and a running track and ice. And so we were able to have um, those, those teams with us participate in, in those sports. And as well, we built in uh, as one of the, so basically teams go to an activity station for 30 or 40 minutes. They rotate to the next station, to the next and to the next. And, and um, so we have the three sports, but as our fourth activity, we've created what we call a fireside chat. And so for one of the stations, they get to catch their breath. They get to sit down and they get to um, learn a little bit more uh, about um, Paralympians and one of the one of the really great features of this event is we've always had Paralympians join us not to participate in the sports but to act as the coaches and to act as the referees and the officials and and really flip things around and, and have them impart their wisdom and experience on, on people and so to be able to put um, a few athletes on the stage for for 30 40 minutes to have them tell stories of their life, of their sporting career, of the Paralympic Games is something that um, it's fantastic. And to have watched them a couple of days ago and to watch people enthralled, um, no one looking at their phones, um, everybody enthralled in, in, in the stories that they were hearing, I think leaves people with really that much more of a meaningful experience. One thing to send them home 
with with sore arms, which we do because they're you know they're they're, they're playing wheelchair basketball, they're using their arms in a different way. I think uh, para ice hockey was something we heard from many people. That was a true eye opener because you know the the experts, the you know those that we are so fortunate to watch at the games that represent Canada, they're good and they make it look really easy. The reality is it is far from easy. And so when when you put people in a sled and just balancing is tough enough, let alone, you know, propelling themselves from point A to point B, um, it, it really leaves people um, uh, in, in a great place of having been able to experience something that, that they likely haven't before and and sends them home. And I'm and certainly talking about it to their friends, to their family. And, and ultimately, if we're able to do that, then we're exposing more people to Parasport and, and how great it is. We're joined by uh, Dean Brokop, who is the director of the Canadian Paralympic Foundation of Canada. And he's here today talking to us about the Para Tough Cup events. I'm joined by Josh Watson and Cam Jenkins. Of course, I'm your host, Brock Richardson. Now... You mentioned that the Para Cup was just held in Vancouver. I'm wondering, is it the same no matter what city it's in? And if not, what slight differences would people expect depending on where it is? Yeah, that's a great question. And and in a perfect world, we'd love it to be the same. I, I won't lie. We think we have a really great model here with, with um, the sports of wheelchair basketball, sitting volleyball, and para ice hockey. But finding those perfect facilities uh, across the country are not necessarily um, always so easy. So our, our next event is in Montreal, November 3rd, so about a week and a half from now. And um, that perfect facility has been a bit more elusive for us there. So we're, we're hosting at uh, Tomlinson Fieldhouse at McGill University, a great fieldhouse, but we don't have access to, to, uh, to real ice. So what we'll be doing there is um, – uh, you know, you, you, you pivot, you modify, and so we, we've got access to, to sleds on wheels. So we'll still expose people to para-ice hockey, uh, strike out the ice part, and uh, but, but get, give them the experience of being in a sled and, 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 uh, and what it's like. So, um, but, but otherwise, um, Josh, it, yeah, we, we've tend to in Toronto. We're fortunate to host the event at Madame Athletic Center, which is the former Maple Leaf Gardens. So we have access to ice. I, I see a, a Maple Leaf sweater there over your shoulder, Cam. Um, and, uh, and in Calgary, um, we're, uh, we're looking at a facility there um, that's a fantastic facility with both uh, ice and, and courts. So really excited to get back to it. It's been, it's been a long couple of years The prior to... Uh, this past Friday, the last Paratuff Cup was in Toronto in March of 2020, March 5th. So literally one week before most things shut down for most people. And, um, you know, the world was a, was a very different place then. And, 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 and none of us realized um, what was going to be upon us. I, I recall that, you know, we, 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 we took the best precautions we could at that time. We got some extra hand sanitizer and some nitrile gloves and, and went about our business. Um, but uh, little did we know that a week later we'd, we'd be going home with, with our computers in tow and, and not returning to the office for quite some time. Now, what is the favorite part about running these events for you? You know, I, I, I know that very clearly because I experienced it on Friday. It's, it's being back out there. There is nothing that can replace being present with people and um, seeing the faces and hear and hearing hearing the hooting and the hollering and the the, the squeals of delight. You know when they're playing sitting volleyball and and and, and hit a decent shot. Um, it's it's great to be out and engage with people. And technology has been wonderful for all of us over the last couple of years and, and allowing us to connect like we are today. Um, but there is still something. Um, that can't be reproduced in, in being in person with people. And um, so that's, that's the biggest and most important part of it for me. And um, it was great for, for myself, for my team and for everybody involved to, to be reminded of that because it's been a long, it's been a long two and a half years. And so, um, you know, knock on wood, we can continue, you know, to, to be present in the community again and, and, and we'll take the precautions necessary, but um, it's important. Uh, to be out there. For anyone who does want to learn more about either the Paratuff Cup or the Paralympic Foundation of Canada, where are they best to look for that information or who should they speak to? 
Yeah, so the Parrot Tough Cup, we've actually got a separate website for that um, to, to keep it really simple for people. So parrottoughcup.ca uh, will tell you everything you need to know about the activities in each of the cities. Um, and from there, you can you can link or, or go directly to paralympicfoundation.ca for more information on, on the foundation and, and what we do and, and, uh, and uh, all that we're trying, all that we're aspiring to. And, and Dean, uh, just one more question from me. Um, do you see with the Paratuff Cup, um, are you going to kind of branch out and do anything more with that or any other events that you have kind of planned uh, moving forward? You know, I think we, we really wanted to see um, how how we do. In, in a sense, it's like, um, you know, getting back out there again. And, and honestly, we weren't certain how people were going to take to public events of this nature and, and, and being close. I will tell you, though, that I think there's a lot of excitement for it. Uh, the Montreal event in 10 days is sold out and has been for a couple of weeks. Um, there is a... A lot of organizations work differently now, and people aren't together in an office every day. And so events like ours provide an opportunity to to team build, to 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 be with your 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 employees, your staff, your teammates in a different setting. And so although I think we need to see more than the one event we did in Vancouver, um, what I did see there and and the in the lead into Vancouver, or sorry, in Montreal, there's a lot of excitement for that. So I, I think there may be an appetite to build on this and it would be great to do so. When 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 we last uh, did the event in 2020, we were firing on all cylinders with events in four cities. We had just crossed the million dollar mark in funds raised from the event since its inception in 2017. So um, we'd love to, to just get back on that horse and add to the total. Um, for me, I, I'm curious to know sort of uh, what you deem as a success now let me let me frame this a little bit better because it's easy to say that you know we we ran this event in Vancouver went well everyone's excited because we haven't been around people in a long time but aside from that how do you yourself walk away and go this was a successful event and can you sort of speak to that a little bit for sure the success you know is gauged in in two ways by myself one is we 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 are doing this to raise funds to support parasport in canada so um part of the success is is um evaluated in that manner and so vancouver raised seventy thousand dollars and so um from from our perspective that's a success um, we have even higher aspirations for for Montreal, Toronto, and Calgary, and, and hoping to to reach a hundred thousand dollars each in those cities. So that leads to success. However, um, and the money is great, and the money is important, but the experience provided to those participating to me is is as important. If we raise a, a bunch of money and don't send people or don't provide a uh, a great experience and a meaningful experience for people, then we we didn't really achieve what we set out to. I'm really confident and I'm thrilled that from what I saw in Vancouver, we, we did that and the, and the feedback we've heard, um, it, we, we did provide that. So that's important. We, we, we want to make sure that those attending have a great experience and that, that they do go home knowing more about Parasport. Hopefully they know a little bit more about a few Paralympians that they heard from and had a chance to meet. And, and, what will that lead to in the future? Lead to them engaging in the Paralympic Games when they see them on, on TV or they stream them. Um, Parasport's fantastic to watch and follow, regardless of what sport it is. So, you know, building building more fans and ultimately building more more support for um, Parasport in Canada. That's the ultimate goal. Here, here to uh, everything you just said. Uh, you know, to shine the light on, on Parasports. And that's what we aim to do here at the neutral zone and being a former Paralympian myself and, and just having, you know, athletes as my co-host is something that we've always strived to do. So we love having the uh, Paralympic foundation of Canada on just to tell us what's going on. And, and we had you on the first time uh, when, uh, when this whole thing was going on. And I thought, you know what, with the video podcast, let's, uh, let's kick this out again and, and see what we can do. Uh, Dean, uh, thank you so much for joining us today we greatly appreciate it and uh, best of luck with uh, future events thanks so much for having me really appreciate the support
that's what we're here for, and we appreciate you just as much. That was Dean Brokop, director of the Paralympic Foundation of Canada. If you want to get a hold of us by voicemail regarding this interview or anything else you've heard on the program, here's how you can do it. If you want to leave a message for the Neutral Zone, call now, 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a voicemail! All right, so... I've got to put a bow on a conversation we had <laughs> off the top of the program. Sakes. Because, because, listen, our our producer, technical producer, Marco Follow, brought up a very good point. And this is no secret that we pre-record this. So uh, just before Dean came on, after we finished the headlines, Mark said, nobody asked the important question of what was the price of this Pickle. pickle in a bag. It, it it resulted in chaos. It's one during, pickle. During, it's, it's one, one pickle, pickle in a bag, and it was like five dollars, five dollars for for a pickle. And Mark said he would never do it. Never, not five dollars. And then he got all like detailed about mm. it, which I'll leave out of everyone's <laughs> five dollars for one pickle. Like in today's prices. Like, that's, like, brutal. I can, like, buy a bag of M&Ms for $5 and get a lot more <laughs> food out of that if you call M&M food, which you don't. You can buy but, a couple yeah. of jars of pickles for that. Yeah, I was going to say, get a couple of Strubs Dill pickles, and you'll get a lot more than one flipping pickle. <laughs> fair enough, uh. fair enough. I Listen, this is why I bring up these random questions off the top of the show, because it just... It makes it, me it laugh. It brings out our it makes me laugh. personalities. Yeah. Yeah. It makes Cameron laugh. It's it's just <laughs> wonderful. Our, our manager of AMI Audio is probably shaking his head and going, really? They're talking about pickles right it's supposed now? supposed to be this a sports show, <laughs> and they're talking about pickles in a bag for $5. Oh, Listen, gosh. don't worry, Andy. I'm, gonna, I'm about to make you really smile because we're going to talk about your favorite team in the whole wide world, which we didn't get to last week, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs we covered. <laughs> Every other team except for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Man, you're really so digging it figured, into Andy. That's not his favorite team. I was going to say, we're going to be canceled if this keeps up. Pretty much. Pickles and Maple Leafs, uh, that's going to get us in trouble. Uh, we have a lot of fun around here, folks. Almost almost too much. Yes, almost yes. too much. And it's it's good to do what we do and we enjoy it. Anyways, enough pickle, enough about Andy Frank. Let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I don't really know where to start with this. So let me start with what do you guys make of this team so far, Cameron? Well, if uh, if you're a Maple Leafs fan and you want to be even keeled, do not go on social media until like April or May of next year. Uh, that's probably the <laughs> biggest advice I have if uh, – you're cheering for the Maple Leafs, but yeah, it's just, it's just unbelievable because, you know, they win a game and then, you know, the, everything's great. And then they lose a game and then the sky is falling and it's just, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and yeah, like the, that's just sports well, in Toronto. Yeah, Maybe it? it's every sports team in Toronto, but it seems a, a lot more like um, just the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, being that way. I don't see, you know, like, other ones uh, doing that personally, but it just seems to be with the Maple Leafs. And, you know, they get a, a person that's now, um, well, Muzzin, he's hurt. So the sky's falling again because uh, him out as a defenseman. And then while the sky was already falling because of the two goalies that we had and Matt Murray's out, but now all of a sudden <laughs> it's great because we can have other people up and you get Jason Robertson in and then he scores two goals, including the overtime winner. So it's such a emotional roller coaster ride if you're a Leafs fan or follow the Leafs. So all I have to say is if you're a Leafs fan, good luck and uh, stay off of social media. Fair enough. Um, judging by the silence, Brock, I'm going to assume you want me to chime in next, so I will. Uh, I did not know what to make of our goaltending situation with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, or Samsonov, whatever he wants to be called this year. Um, 
it seems to change, apparently. Uh, having said that, I am quite pleasantly surprised with Samsonov so far. He seems to be doing very well now that he does not have to necessarily split time equally with his other counterpart. Uh, we saw Eric Schulgren last year. We know what he is. We know he's a capable backup for a game here and there, which is, I think, what we need. But it will be very interesting to see how long Samsonov can carry the ball, so to speak. The forward and defense group, I'm not sure what to make of either, although I think they are a lot more sound than people will give them credit for. Uh, particularly the forward groups, I, I think are fine. I found it interesting that Kyle Clifford and uh, Wayne Simmons, thank you, are just getting into the lineup. Uh, having said that, seeing people like Zach Aston Reese and Victor Mete and some of these others crack the lineup has been very interesting and brings a little bit of an interesting sort of note to it overall i i'm sure cam you probably brought this up during your your talk but uh, i don't think it matters what happens in the regular season as long as they make the playoffs i personally don't care whether they're first in the division or you know eighth place in the conference as long as they get in because i think that is where you're going to see a change hopefully I would like to see Jordy Ben healthy and in the lineup because I think he would have been a great replacement for uh, Jake, uh, Jake Muzzin, but apparently he is injured. It's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with this team. Um, I am hoping to see some maturity from the likes of Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. I think that was something that was lacking last year. And I just, I really hope to see that this year. Um, some of the, the silly plays need to stop. Some of the taking plays off at the wrong times needs to stop. I understand you're not going to give 100% every single game. There's so many of them that you can't. Exactly. But some of the spots that were picked last year were the wrong spots. <laughs> that's, that's, Let's be honest. So it will be very interesting to to see what happens. Yeah, I think the first line, um, you know, Matthews and Marner um, and Bunting, uh, right now um, they seem to still be wanting to try to find the groove that they had last year. And so far, unfortunately, they haven't uh, found it. Um, Matthews, uh, he's still getting points. He's just not getting the goals. He's getting a lot of assists. And, um, you know, Marner, I think he's playing uh, even more better defensively than he, uh, you know, has before as well. So I think that the top line, although they're not scoring as much, I think that they are um, finding ways to still um, contribute. And, you know, that's playing better defensively or getting the assists. And uh, right now, John Tavares, man, he seems to be on fire, um, which is nice to see as well. And um Yeah. Yeah, no, and like you were saying, um, with uh, Simmons uh, kind of getting slotted in, that was just because of the Winnipeg game, and they needed some toughness, and that's why they ended up uh, putting him in, um, because they weren't sure because of what happened last year. So, you know, it's the the fourth line is still a problem for the Maple Leafs. I think the third line is, uh, you know, very good. Second line seems to be humming, especially with Robertson. I man, I don't want him to go back down to the AHL. Um, so, and yeah, in goal, Samsonov. But here's where, you know, this is why Toronto Maple Leaf fans have mental health problems. It was because they're judging Samsonov after three games. They're saying, oh, he's 3-0 and in a 9.27 uh, save percentage and la-di-da-di-da. But it's only three flipping games. Come on. Like, who cares? Like, let's see after a couple of months or whatever. Don't like start judging him. Like, yes, it's great that we've won three games. It's nice that he has a 927 save percentage, but just even keel, Lee fans, even keel. I got, I gotta say, like, when the season started, 
and we had both uh, Marie and Samsonov healthy-ish. Um, there was no goalie I could point to and go, there's my starter. The, like, both of them, I'm like, I don't know, it depends who steps steps forward. And to me, a hockey team requires a, a, a goalie to so that everyone can point to it and say, there is my starter. That I could never point to with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, obviously, the decision's been made with Murray missing, you know, five weeks at, at the minimum. But I could never point to this team and go, yeah, there, there's my guy right there. And that, to me, is the problem. And then I laugh at the Maple Leafs and I say, because when you heard well, about... Why is it a problem, Brock? He's a 3-0 with a 927 save percentage, buddy. Because I don't... <laughs> like, this is... I'm not... On, because he could turn into a pumpkin. I'm not that exact, you know, like I'm not willing to ride this, you know, roller coaster that every Leaf fan does. Because guess what? Three games, as you guys point out, great, wonderful, but it's not the end of the season. And we'll see. And that's the problem. And then I laugh at Toronto. And when Matt Murray went down, Ottawa basically said in the media, gently, yeah, we knew we knew, because he spent half the time in Ottawa injured. So newsflash, if you knew that as the Senators... Why did the Maple Leafs think they could be the, you know, the bringer of change in a guy's injury history? You get injured once, you're more susceptible to that, Josh. That's that's easy. The reason that they thought Matt Murray could be saved is because he was in Sault Ste. Marie with Kyle Dubas. Kyle thinks he can rescue everybody that played for him up there. And at the end of the day, right. like with Dubas, it, like he's the man in charge. So he wants to be able to hire somebody that he has familiarity with and who he feels is going to be able to help him. And like, I'm so glad that yeah. we uh, didn't end up, you know, getting Campbell again, at five years and 5 million. Like, look at what he, uh, what he's doing at Edmonton right now. Like he, he had one good month last year, Campbell month and a half, and then he wasn't good for the rest of it. So I totally understand why uh, Dubas did what he did as far as the two goalies, why he chose them. And Samsonov, it seems like he may. It's only three games. Settle down, Leaf fans. But uh, he may be the answer in goal because all you need is average goaltending. And the offense is going to take the care of the rest for the Leafs. Well, Cameron's drinking the same Kool-Aid as the Leafs fans are <laughs> a little bit there. That's what I'm going to go. God, no. My only concern has been the Arizona game. We've seen Montreal beat Arizona. We've seen uh, Montreal beat Arizona. There was... Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa was the other one. Yeah. We, sorry, did I repeat Montreal twice? I probably did. I've had a head cold this week. At any rate, I, we've seen Montreal beat them. We've seen Ottawa beat them. Toronto did not. And they did not look good losing to them. So that is where I have concerns. If we play down to the level of our competition, that's a major issue. And is that a personnel issue? Is that a coaching issue? I don't know. But games against the Arizona Coyotes like that cannot happen again. I don't care if it's the first five games of the season or the last five. Well, it's one game. I, I saw it's one game that can start a trend. Yeah. Or over an 82 game schedule, everybody has bad games. Even like the best of teams end up getting, you know, spanked by a team that may be not as good. Um, and that, that happens every season. So um, yeah, you don't want to see it to be a trend, but that's what I'm talking about. The mental health of the Maple Leaf fans is, is that they go against Arizona, they lose, and then the sky is falling and everyone sucks on the Maple Leafs when, you know, the truth is somewhere in between that they're great and they suck and, you know, maybe they're just pretty good. And maybe that's the, you know, the, the middle ground. Fair enough. Yeah. I spoke to uh PA announcer, Mike Ross on the weekend and I, and I saw him in person and I said, uh, Hey Mike, I'm sorry you were subjected to that Arizona game. And he said, why did you remind me? My, my, uh, sc a scar was just getting healed over again. So that 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 coming from the PA announcer of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who also uh, does the morning reading show on AMI Audio, so check Mike and Corinne Van Dusen eight AM every morning. There's a little plug for you. Um, but yeah, I I don't know what to make of this team. I have no idea. You know, 
play your 82 games. Tell me where you are at, at that point, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, that, that to me, is where we are with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And I, I got to be honest, and I said this to the audience last week, and I'll say it again. Uh, we're not going to be talking a lot. Of, as, as producer of this program, we are going to give the Leafs some due, but we're not going to be talking a lot about them because it is just going to be a soap opera slash roller coaster ride. I think there are some other intriguing stories in Canada, which will keep you apprised of what's happened in Toronto. But that's not going to be our main focus this season, because I think if you pin every Leaf fan down and you say, tell tell me what you want, and they're going to say, after 82 games, that's what I want. And I think a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs fans share your sentiment, Josh, of we don't care, just finish in the playoffs and see what you do there. And I'm prepared for the first round disappointment if we get to that as well. It'd be interesting to see how the season goes, but uh, hold on and buckle up and and tune in to the neutral zone for you know all kinds of Canadian uh, content for the NHL because that's what we're here to do. Um, I I don't know. My, my next point on the script is um, how much pressure should the GM and president feel this year? Either of you want to comment on that, Josh? I think there is or should be definite pressure on both Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas, especially because they are the architects of this team. They are the ones who signed the core of Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Morgan Riley to those contracts. And as a result of those contracts, we have to piece together the rest of this lineup. And I'm not saying the rest of this lineup is weak. I'm not saying that they're not going to manage. We've seen it before where we've gotten into the playoffs with with bits and pieces and castoffs and reclamations and all these things. But this is now a number of years of the quote unquote Shanna plan. And what do we have to show for it? That is my question. Exactly. So it's it's time for this core to actually show what it can do, in my opinion. And it's time for us to not just be happy making the playoffs. It's time for us to win multiple rounds of the playoffs. I'm not satisfied with just winning the first round. I never have been. Your goal every year should be to win the Stanley Cup. And if it's not, something's wrong. I'll put it very bluntly and I'll say the following. Put up or shut up this year. Like, and and I know that sounds very, you know, well, that's kind of abrasive, but that's where I am at with this, this organization. You have the talent, allegedly. Show it to me. Do your job or shut up and go somewhere else and let let younger people do what they have to do. Because after this season, if they don't win at least two rounds, this core to me and my allegiance to this team is going to be real called into question because it already is called into question. I when I when I say things like, yeah, we're gonna keep you abreast of the Maple Leafs, but you know, that's not where the focus is gonna be all season. It's because I and we can't keep beating a dead horse and saying they went on a ten game winning streak. Oh, they're looking good and then they lose in the first round. Like that that's where I am at with this totally Cameron and I want to wrap on the Leafs and move on to the NFL but I want to give you the last thoughts here Cameron well the pressure is on for uh Dubas and for the Shanny Shanna plan um but saying that I think Dubas is a really good GM and I think that uh Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment if they were to let him go I think they would really regret it uh, you also have to remember that over this period of time um, this is when COVID's happened. So when, but like before COVID happened, that's when Dubas signed these contracts for Marner, for Matthews. And that's when he thought that he was going to end up having more money to spend. And now because of COVID, it's been flat for what, the past three years? And maybe next year it might go up as far as the salary cap, more than a million bucks. So I think Dubas has done fine, and especially during COVID when it's either been a flat cap or only gone up a million dollars, I think Dubas has done very well um, trying to find people 
on the outside edges or the fringes in order to be able to um, make the team as good as, uh, you know, as he can make it. Um, you know, I would give him maybe another three-year extension, personally, Dubas, um, when the cap goes up. And let's see what he does with that money when he has more money to spend. Um, because I, I just think it would be really bad if Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment let Dubas go. Um, I just think they would end up regretting that. All right. Um, let's move on to the NFL. And I, we've talked a lot about Tua Tonga Viola and his um, concussions to this season thus far. He was welcomed back against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Josh, I, I have a two-part question for you specifically. Before going into the game, what was your expectation? Let's start there. And then when you watched the game, what did you think? Well, going into the game, I wasn't convinced that he should be playing yet. I'll be quite honest. And it has nothing to do with where I want the team to finish or or anything other than the fact that this is a young man. Eventually, he's probably going to end up married. He's probably going to end up having kids. And I want him to be able to have a life after football. With the two concussions that he took so close together, I worry about that quality of life after football. I really do. So going into the game, hearing that he had not only passed through concussion protocol as far as the NFL was concerned, but that he had also been cleared by multiple neurologists in multiple cities, tells me that, okay, he does value his health and he did take more than enough precautions. So if you're going to come back, then I have the same expectations I would have for you if you were starting any other game. I expect you to manage the offense. I expect you to win the game. And I expect you not to put the team in jeopardy. Going through the game, I enjoyed it. They won 16 to 10. I was very happy with that, as you can imagine. But I will tell you quite honestly, every time that man took a hit, I cringed. Because... They interviewed him before the game and they talked to him about, are you going to make any changes? And he said, oh, yes, I'm I'm going to try to get the ball out faster. I'm going to try to make better decisions. I'm going to try to avoid those collisions that caused me to be concussed. He, he hasn't learned yet how to slide. <laughs> He, he he took so many he took so many hits now in your opinion in your opinion josh did he do any responsible plays like did he try to run and then they yes. had to tackle him multiple times he mm -hmm. he looked around and he said there's nobody open but i can run and he ran and instead of sliding he went head first shoulder first into the defender and i'm just watching him going are you kidding me right now? You're not supposed to do that. That's how you got hurt in the first place. But he just he does he hasn't learned and I'm I'm really scared that his career is going to be significantly shortened because he hasn't learned how to do this. I mean, I remember watching a guy like Robert Griffin III, who was in Washington and in Baltimore. Same sort of thing. I'm a running quarterback. Well, that's great. You make a real nice, easy target. Because those guys that are hitting you are probably 100 pounds heavier than you, and they leave a mark. So until he learns how to protect himself the only option is going to be for him to get rid of the ball. And last night he didn't demonstrate that he can do that. He still tried to make something out of nothing. And that's, that's going to take a long time to work out of him. If he survives that long. Cameron quick comments and then I'll wrap with my comments. Yeah. I just think that, uh, 
you know, he's got to think of himself first and foremost. Um, but when you're looking at a new contract, that's probably going to be a hundred million plus, um, you know, money kind of takes over at the end of the day. So two is going to think about that. And, uh, you know, he's played a certain way for so many years. Um, does he even want to change the way he plays? Um, would be my question, even though he's gotten concussed a couple of times, because he might blow it off as, oh, well, I've been playing football for so many years, and this is the first time or, you know, that's happened. It's just an anomaly, and I'm going to keep playing the way that, you know, I play. So, yeah, it, it must be really hard to um, uh, to change, um, and, and it is. It's hard to change uh, no matter what you're doing it's hard to change. And why would he, when it's gotten him to here on a possible contract, that's going to be a hundred million plus. I think it was pretty telling to me when he finished the game and the reporter uh, talked to him and said, how did you feel the game went? And his response was, I need to change the way that I play. I did some things I shouldn't have done and I need to change the way that I play. My question is, Aren't you having that conversation before you step on the field and not after you lead with your head multiple times, which is the thing that you got in trouble with in the first place, as Josh pointed out? That is what is like, what are you talking about? To tell the reporter after a game you won, yeah, I need to change up the the way that I do things. Isn't that part of the reason you were cleared as, you know, out of the concussion protocol? Because you sold them in all your testing and you said, well, I can do this and, I, and I'll and i be okay and this will be fine. But then you go and you run like a bull in a china shop at times and you don't know how to slide. You slide feet first, not head first. Even, even if you're sliding down a, a set of stairs, no one teaches you to slide head first down a set of stairs because that's your noggin. Oh, it's more fun going down head first than stairs. I know it is, but Haven't it's Haven't you seen stupider. the YouTube videos of kids doing that? <laughs> yes. Oh, it's, man. And I just made a word up. I said stupider. Stupider. On I our podcast. <laughs> but it totally is. And it just, whatever. I, oh, I just boy. think as a young quarterback, he needs to make better decisions. And what I saw, I didn't see it. The better decisions that he needs to make. With that, that is the end of our show for this week. I would like to thank Josh Watson, Cam Jenkins. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Mark Follow. Our manager of AMI Audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Be safe, be well. <laughs>